you know, he doesn't want to cut a pound. His body won't let him cut a pound. Well, then you better win the tournament, okay? That's BS. That's bull crap. He's got some. He's got some big balls, man. You zip your lip. You shut your mouth and you open your ears. That's how you win. That's how you get better. Win, you live, lose, you die. All right, Andy Rovat joins us on the podcast today. Talk a little bit about the U.S. Open and uh, feel the rule changes and uh, just generally uh, just whatever topics you want to cover, Andrew. <laughs> whatever you want. So you're, you're out in Michigan. You guys are still practicing for the U.S. Open, right? When do those guys leave? Yeah, we leave in uh, a couple hours here now. Um, our flight's at 8 o'clock tonight. And then uh, we have Callan weighing in tomorrow, Wednesday, Russian mini tournament, uh, Thursday, and then uh, Open will start Friday, Saturday. And uh, we only have two athletes from the Cliff Keen Wrestling Club uh, competing. Uh, Jimmy Kennedy is coming off an injury. Um, he's he's training right now, but he, he he's not ready for the Open. So uh, we're going to hold him out, get him ready for the trials to win that. And then who else is – so who's competing then? Terrell Todd? Uh, no, he's hurt. He tore his pack. He'll be out. Uh. And then uh, the, only, the only person we have, the only two people we have now are Kellen Russell and Kyle Massey. Okay. That Kellen Russell guy's pretty good. So, you know, we've talked about this before, me and uh, Jake. I mean, you know, there's been sort of like a dearth of um, preview. I mean, there's been very little sort of production put behind getting us excited for the U.S. Open. Talk, if you will, about that for a minute. Uh, there's been no, there's been no hype. Um, it's, it's, uh, what are we on, day 63 today? Yeah. It's, uh, it's day 63 since the IOC has recommended, uh, wrestling be dropped from the Olympics. I believe uh, it's day 64, no but, yeah. I'm sorry, day 64, uh, the last few days have been blending it together, but, uh, but no, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been away. This is going to be, I believe, uh, weekend 20 out of. Uh, 22 or 23 weekends that I've been away for wrestling. Uh, you know, so I've, I've been I've been a lot of places this year. You know, I've been to uh, USA Wrestling's freestyle or folk style preseason nationals, folk style nationals uh, that just happened last weekend. I've been to wrap up the Garden all over. The, I've been to World Cup, U- uh, Belarus, uh, yeah, Kutz, Russia. Um, you know, I've been a lot of places, you know, in, in the last, you know, 20, half a year. And, uh, you know, I've been from kids' tournaments to senior level tournaments and, and, and everything in between. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of wrestling, but, uh, but you would think that when the IOC recommended wrestling be dropped from the Olympics, people would have stepped up and, and have tried to market the sport a little different. Um, we all know we could beat the numbers around all day. We all know that there are... Um, you know, tons of wrestling fans, you know, ESPN sees a value, you know, they show every round live, uh, the NCAA championships, we sell out tickets at the NCAA championships, and, uh, you know, to me, wrestling's wrestling, and, uh, you know, we should be able to have some, you know, uh, cross uh, fans, you know, sharing fans, uh, but somehow we haven't been able to figure that out on the freestyle circuit, um, but point, point in case, uh, Kellen Russell is a two-time NCAA champion. Uh, a year and a half ago, there would have been lots of talk on the internet about him 
uh, trying to repeat as an NCAA champion. Uh, you know, people would have been, you know, he, he had a lot of fans around the country. But then he goes into the USA Wrestling uh, organization, and there's no hype on him. They didn't mention him in the preview of the U.S. Open coming up. Uh, you know, I know he hasn't won a lot, but he's still a two-time NCAA champion, and he has his own fan base. And if you actually did something to promote the athletes and get their names out there, then the fans that they've, they've had at college would continue to follow these people uh, onto the next level, which is obviously, you know, you have someone like Kyle Dave who just won his fourth NCAA title who's not even a favorite to win the U.S. Open because we have a returning Olympic champion. I mean, Dake's not going to the Open, but uh, David Taylor's going, and he's every bit as good as Dake is, and he's, you know, he, he may even have a hard time making the finals. So we have, we have really good wrestling that's taking place, but we have organizations that aren't taking a step to uh, promote wrestling. Uh, they're, not, they're not, you know, I mean, with today's social media, 63 days ago, we could have had, you know, we could have had a big push to try to get attendance at the U.S. Open, and as of now, I'm, I'm doubtful that there's going to be a big uh, group of people out at the U.S. Open. Um, it's going to seem like a lot of people, but that's because you have four tournaments going on at the same time, which to me doesn't make any sense if you're trying to actually highlight the best wrestlers in the country. So, I mean, I, you know, I think we look at it and there's probably a couple of sort of initial responses, which are like, you know, we're sitting in a situation where there's lots to do in a short amount of time. Not everything can kind of get done immediately. So what are the three steps you see? Like we have the attention, right? It's kind of waning, I think, actually. But we sort of have the attention of the wrestling community to make change and to to sort of change the vocabulary of wrestling. We, we, can, we can institute widespread change. What are the three things we need to do in order to do that? Uh, I heard you say social media obviously would be – one large aspect. What are some like functional things we can do on the ground level to ensure that we have higher fan participation, more media outreach, and consequently, uh, you know, protect ourselves from elimination? Well, I mean, but so wrestling is recommended from from being dropped from the Olympics, and and, and you could do you could do two two things, you know, and I, and I've I've told this to many people. You could you could wrestling just got dropped off. We're in the middle of the ocean, right? And we're treading water to save our lives. And right now, that's it. That's all we're doing. We're treading water. And, and, and it takes a lot of work to tread water. And you could tell me that a lot of people are putting a lot of time into this. But, again, you're treading water. Or you could take that, uh, you could take that disaster of being cut from the Olympics and you could be an opportunistic. And you could market wrestling and you could promote wrestling and you can make wrestling better. For the long run, instead of trying to save our lives in the short run, yeah, but because like what, exactly what exactly. So we've always our, our mentality. And I'm so glad you said this because this is something I feel passionate about. And I totally agree with you. It's something we don't talk about enough. Our mentality has always been provincial. It's always been like, well, we're on the outside. This is where we belong. Let's try I to make sure every, we don't cause. Everything cost- we do is reactionary yeah. instead of um, actually going and doing something um, out of the ordinary to make the sport better. And we have people that have done it. Uh, you know, Mike Novogratz obviously is one of them who's, who's putting on great events for the sport, you know, out of New York City. Yeah, So I mean, we have some people out there that can, that can see something like that. But then, you know, then we have other people that, that they, they just don't see the value. They undercut, you know, the value of wrestling. They undercut the value of American wrestling. 
uh, internationally. Um, you, you know, we have a lot of power, and, 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 and people think that, you know, if we start flexing our power, it doesn't look good to the IOC. It doesn't look good to FILA uh, because people are biased against Americans. But you know what? If you want something run right, who's going to do it? Americans are going to do it. Right. You know? I mean. No, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I think that's part of it. But, I mean, like, to use your analogy, like, you know, if we are just sitting here treading water, we need to start finding a whole way to get to a shore. You know, we need to, to create some positive motion and, and get to – a place where we can be respected within the sports community. I mean, you and I shared, and I put it into the mailbag uh, last week for Intermat, is that video on squash, and it's kind of hard. Like, you know, you're talking about two really attractive people telling you that how cool squash is, and if you've played squash, you know that it's actually kind of fun and challenging, and, you know, like they're playing in front of the Giza pyramids, and they're, you know, in glass boxes, and they have, like, this high-profile... Everything looked really well done and polished and sexy. And whether or not you agree that squash should be an Olympic sport, you have to agree that they did a really good job of selling you on, you know, on certain on their message, which was, you know, it's an inclusive sport around the world, and you know that it's sexy, basically. And well, well, the reason I the reason I looked into that was because, you know, it's my understanding that if, if you have a product, you have to sell your product and. For a sport, how do you sell your product? You sell your product visually. And so so one aspect, you have photography, which is to me is, is great. And I love looking at photos of wrestling tournaments. And, um, you know, and one thing I suggested to feel, I said, you have all these events throughout the world. If you want to start engaging the fans and engaging people, you know, you can have a simple thing like, hey, uh, Winner, the best photographer from this tournament, we're going to pick three photos from the Medbet tournament. You know, the photos are submitted. You know, Fila puts them up, and, and they look at some of the three best photos from the weekend, and then you blast it out, and you say, hey, vote on this. You know, I, you know, the USOC does that. I get emails from the USOC saying, vote on these athletes. And, I mean, it just gets people participating. And yeah. We also have videos. And so I looked at this video, and, and squash official Olympic video – at the time, had under a thousand views, a uh, hundred thousand views, mm-hmm. and some highlight video that somebody put together for Keep Olympic Wrestling that was just random clips of matches from here and there that some guy put music to had almost two hundred thousand views. So some guy who did this in his spare time got a hundred thousand more views on Keep Olympic Wrestling video that isn't even a professional video than the professional video that squash has. So I know we have numbers. I know it's out there, but we just don't have people thinking uh, outside the box enough. Um, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I know for a fact that if squash thinks you can play in front of uh, big Ben, or if you can play in front of the Giza pyramids, you know what? Newsflash, so can wrestling. Yeah. And I think, I think you make a good point about social media. And one of the things that, you know, I know that you, Jake and I keep consistently trying to talk about is, you know, whether it's rest at wrestling vision or if it's Fila, you know, Fila has this name recognition, and if they used really savvy social media, we've seen in America that the most that the most passionate and loyal fans actually belong inside the wrestling community. If you want to take a glimpse into that, it's look at NCAA wrestling, the second highest number of uh, Facebook or uh, Facebook fans and Twitter followers uh, of any of the twenty nine uh, sponsored sports. Number two. So if you take that and you can sort of take that model and, and apply it to the worldwide uh, network of wrestling, there are literally 
10 million people that would follow Fila if they consistently put out photos, videos, interacted with fans, you know, just did basic stuff, nothing crazy. But if well, they, they're starting to do it, but it's taken them 60 days. Well, not only that, but they should have been doing it two years ago. Now, it's spilt milk. I understand that. But, <laughs> you know, like this is this Twitter thing is not exactly new. The first tweet was sent out in 2006. There needs to be, you know, that's the kind of thing that we need to do. If we're if we're that late on something as popular as Twitter, it's no wonder that the good ideas that are being presented to the people who are making decisions are sort of falling on deaf ears. There's no onus for change, even in this big moment of of upheaval. We're seeing very little, uh, very little change. I, 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 I mean, like I follow Fila, and I and I hope every time that I open my Twitter that I, I, I hope there's going to be some cool photo or something that's going to want me to interact with them. But I just hasn't connected quite yet, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the only thing I can relate this to in, in recent history was when Flo Wrestling started getting big and USA Wrestling thought that they were the devil. I mean, those they hated Flo with a passion and now they're signing deals with them to uh, show their... Their events, you know, they have four events and they're going to show four events under Flow Wrestling, you know. So I mean, you know, people in 2006 or 2007 could have been like, "Oh, Flow Wrestling is terrible." They wouldn't even let them on the uh, Olympic Training Center complex, and you know, now look what they're doing for the sport. So I mean, I mean, the, the same thing could be said with social media. The people in charge, they just don't get it. Uh, I mean, nothing against them; they just don't understand it. Yeah. Um, they don't understand the outreach that you. I mean, I follow all my news networks on Twitter. I don't have time to sit down in front of a TV. No, it, you're oh. fine. David Carr. David Carr is this uh, sort of like the. He writes about journalism and he writes about media and he writes about lots of other great things for the New York Times. David Carr, great guy, great great follow on Twitter. You know, he was on Charlie Rose a couple nights ago, and they're like, and Charlie Rose says, "How do you get your news?" He goes, "Twitter." I go to Twitter, and I follow a certain number of people that are in tune with things that I like and I start my day on Twitter and then from there I'll go to the times and I'll go to the papers that I read, but I start my day on Twitter. So the guy who like sort of oversees all that is journalism, all that is news, he's getting his news from Twitter. I think that we can all agree that it's time that we do the same. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, to me, it's like, it's, it blows my mind. I mean, but we also have to blame the wrestling community. Um, you know, I mean, I'm getting ready to go to Las Vegas right now, and when I mean, I'm from Cleveland, and when the USA Wrestling moved the U.S. Open from uh, Las Vegas to Cleveland in 2009 and 10, I told one, I told them not to do it. I said I'm from Cleveland. I don't think that the Cleveland wrestling fans uh, would would come out and support the U.S. Open. Um, they were just more into high school wrestling. Uh, nothing against them. But that was just my take on it. They love high school wrestling in Cleveland. Um, I mean, could they have gotten fans in the stands? Probably, but there wasn't. And so you have an uproar with all these fans that can't believe that the U.S. Open was taken out of Vegas. But nobody was going to the U.S. Open in Vegas. So why are we putting the U.S. Open back in Vegas? We have the nation's best wrestlers right now. And they're going to be wrestling on mats that are thrown down at a convention center. Um, if, if we want to grow the sport, we have to present the sport in a better light. Um, to me, it looks like we're a bunch of amateurs um, wrestling on concrete floors in a convention center because we have we don't have enough fans to fill an arena. And 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 I've I've said this for years. I said if you want to start building attendance, 
put it in a smaller arena. Highlight the wrestling. Make it intimate. Put it in an ice ring. 2,000, 3,000 seats. If you don't get tickets, tough luck. Good, 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 you know, get on it earlier next year. You know, make a demand for the, for the product. Um, well, a lot of that has to come with also just in interacting with fans. And part of that is telling the stories and interacting with social media, the whole thing. But it, I think there's no backstories. Like you said with, with Kellen Russell, like, you know, he kind of fell off the radar. And, you know, there's not like an outcry for more things about our Olympic wrestlers. You know, there's not. No, I mean, well, look at look at USA Wrestling in, in, in the preview that they put out on the mat.com. Um you know, I, I don't. I don't care right now. I'm going to blast that preview because uh, I don't work for USA Wrestling, and we're trying to save this sport. And they took the rankings, and they basically took the rankings that Zeke did, and they put a dozen words per weight class and said these are the people. They didn't even. They didn't even talk about specific matchups. They didn't talk about uh, how many medals Mark McKnight won. Uh, he's won three international medals uh, recently. His last three tournaments at 55 kilos. Um, you know we have we have other people at other weight classes that they haven't mentioned that. Hey, these people met in Yakutsk, Russia. Or these people met in Belarus. Um, you know, all it is is a, is a piece of paper that people read and look and like. Ah, okay. Well, last minute, Jake Herbert flew himself down to Austin, Texas, on his own money uh, to do a preview for Flow Wrestling to get some kind of hype this week for the U.S. Open. You know, maybe a little bit too late, but um, obviously people could still watch it now on Technique Wave on Flow Wrestling. But, you, I mean, it's 63 days ago, wrestling was dropped from the Olympics. Don't you think there should have been a build-up for the U.S. Open? I was just at the U.S. Uh, I was just at the USA Wrestling's uh, Folk Style Nationals um, in Iowa, and there was not one... Uh, video promo of the upcoming U.S. Open. There's no flyers. There was no posters at the venue. Do you think that that has to do with the fact that the U.S. Open is only one of the two main events? I mean, after this, there's going to be the World Team Trials, and that sort of seems to be the more publicized event. Does it matter? Well, you win the argument, I suppose. But, I the, mean... The two prime events for the best wrestlers in this country. Obviously, you can make a case NCAAs because... You know, it's the biggest event, but other than NCAAs, the two biggest wrestling events in this country are the U.S. Open and World Team Trials. We have Olympic champion wrestling this weekend, and there isn't even a video promo or a commercial. Like, did they advertise the U.S. Open? How are you supposed to sell tickets if you don't sell the event? That, I mean, obviously, you make the point. I mean... We're not doing enough to promote our own sport within our own country, and there's definitely a market here. to make money. And there's a market here. You know, there's a market here for all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. Even sort of in our movement to save Olympic wrestling, a lot of our media outreach has been, not to overuse the word, but it has been sort of, you know, dated or provincial even. Like, we're not thinking long term. We're just selling news stories that are going to post the next day as opposed to things that people are going to emotionally connect with. Do you remember the story that, uh, uh, man, what's his name? The guy from SI, uh, uh, did a story on the coach at Oak River Park Forest, oh, <laughs> Oak Park River Forest, Mike, um, God, I'm blanking on everyone's name right now. Chris Ballard. Yeah. Mike Powell. Chris Ballard wrote that story for SI. And this wasn't in a time when anything else was needed to happen or there was no other sort of 
ancillary motivation. Everything just came from the power of that story and the, and the connectivity to wrestling. And I was getting emails from people who knew that I was a wrestler or whatever who had read that story. And this is fascinating. You know, this talks about the values of wrestling in a way that people can personally connect to. It's an emotional connection. It's a story they're going to share. No matter how many times we write that Andy Rovad is going to miss wrestling in the Cleveland Plain Dealer or that Henry Cejudo is going to miss wrestling in the azcentral.com, it doesn't connect with people because it's just a same news story 65 days in. You know, We need to start finding compelling news stories. And there's probably more than one that are at this U.S. Open, but that haven't really sort of been uncovered yet. So I think that kind of stuff, like having our media outreach, our PR teams, you know, get in touch with media services that are willing to promote the event through storytelling would be also be a key to growing the event. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have, you have tons of story. I mean, Tavel just had a baby. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's getting ready for the U.S. Open. He just had a baby. We had, we had a World Cup team that had three guys that were just having babies. The same, like, pretty much the same time. Brett Metcalf, uh, Zach Ray, and uh, Tavel Delagnev. I mean... Metcalf? Yeah, Metcalf just had a baby. Metcalf is reproducing? Absolutely. Oh, man. I got to get on it. I got to get on it. That's uh, what's the son, son or daughter? Uh, we, I, I don't know. I couldn't remember. I couldn't yeah. remember. There's so many of them. There's so many babies. No, I, I mean that's true. Though. I mean, just starting with something as simple as like you know the birth of another child. I mean, there's there's so much that you can sort of build out from that if you have a creative mind and you have places you want to place places homes for those articles. Uh, there's so much more that you can do. Um, you know, I mean, going forward, what do you think we need to do in the next six? Because right now, I guess we're pretty much faced with what are, what's going to happen in the next forty-five days, right? Because that's when the the, the May meeting is going to happen in Russia. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, right now, you know, they're, they're, you know, you have you have stuff that has to be done. You have to lobby the IOC members to let them know why wrestling's relevant. You have to. You know, supposedly there's a video in production to to reintroduce everybody to the great sport of wrestling, but you know we got dropped from the Olympics because you know the IOC looks down on on FILA, and I don't know what the official number is, but I I told you yesterday that um, FILA has changed 700 rules in the last 25 years, and this is coming from the Chinese. Uh, official Olympic Committee page when wrestling got dropped. And they just did it again. And I've been furious all week because I got an email exactly one week before the U.S. Open that they were going to have a different interpretation of the rules. Whether or not you want to call them a rule change or rules interpretation, uh, you know, it's just just words. Uh, But but they're, they're starting to change the rules again. And we got into this situation that we're in because of this unprofessionalism. Um, you know, NCAA wouldn't change rules the week before the NCAA tournament. Um, the Big Ten wouldn't change rules the week before the Big Ten tournament. It's not fair to the athletes, it's not fair to the coaches, and it's not fair to the fans of the sport. And when you look around and you don't see that the fans are there, you realize that the unprofessionalism in our sport carries over not just in in you know the way the organizations are run but on how we get fans into the arena and uh you know you can't build a fan base by doing that and you know it was it was my 
suggestion that we stand up and we say, hey, look, we're not going to change these rules and we're not going to follow these rules interpretations at any tournament that is held within the United States until we meet as a group as all countries come together at the Congress or wherever they're doing the rule changes because they've already stated that they're changing the rules again. So we just got new rules of interpretations. We're going to meet as, as a group together under FILA, come up with a whole new set of rules you know, that all the countries are suggesting, and we're going to change them again. Uh, so to me, the IOC is looking at us like, these idiots can't even get it right. You know, they've changed the rules X amount of times in the last 25 years. Well, here's the thing, too. It's like, you know, I, maybe maybe this is part of their media outreach, and I know that they have Tinyao sort of is is their, is their international outreach, and Tinyao has placed a couple of uh, events, by the way, with much more uh, lead time. But, you know, I wonder, like, what are we doing about – I just don't know. Like, what are we doing – about Greco, what are we doing about singlets? Like, I don't care about singlets. Like, that just doesn't bother me. Like, we could be wearing uh, hijabs. It doesn't it matter. Bothers, it bothers me, Tim, because I'll tell you what. Like, you go back and you look at uh, Dan Gable in 1972, and you look at some of those people from years and years ago, and you see the singlet, and you see how it's evolved. There was really little back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and then, you know, you start getting knee-length ones and then the high-cut ones. Our singlets have advanced. Swimming, Speedo, they've been wearing the same uniform. Basketball, they've been wearing the same uniform. Volleyball, they've been wearing the same uniform. Gymnastics, they've been wearing the same uniforms. And obviously, the materials have changed a little bit. They've updated a little bit, but the core of their uniform has been the same. No, but I mean... So if the leadership at FILA and, and the IOC says, you need to do something to update the uniform because it's the uniform's fault, you're not getting people in the stand... I, I say baloney. That singlet is an iconic look for wrestling. If you no. show, and I keep saying this, if you go to Times Square and you show 100,000 people, two people in a singlet wrestling, people are like, oh, those guys are wrestlers. They visually could look at, even if they're just standing there in singlets, they could be like, those guys are about to wrestle. But 90% of the time, but 90% of the time, it's still used, in, whether you like it or not, and whether you agree with it or not, it's 90% of the time it's used for sexualization or it's used to mock. Even the even the vanity cover of Billy Baldwin, like in like a diminutive stance in his singlet and headgear, was like that wasn't meant as like a flattering thing. It was meant like as like a you know, partially like self-deprecating, I, I suppose, on Baldwin's part for allowing that to be run. But it wasn't meant as like a flattering piece of you know whatever. I, I don't know. It, it's I, I and, and here's the thing too. It's like I know you mentioned you mentioned. I know you say it's iconic, but it's really only been around for 30 years because in the 70s, I mean, maybe 40, but before that point, like there were points where there was just, it was no shirts and shorts, you know, and there's parts where even Dan Gable, if you go back and look at his singlet from, you know, his finals match in college against Larry Owings, he's wearing a singlet, long, uh, full length spandex, and he's wearing cotton shorts over it. So, you know, American wrestling, especially, but world wrestling as well. American wrestling is all about adaptation. We've always been one to adapt our rules and our outfits to to what the people want. And whether or not you agree with it, if the Western European leaders of the IOC say, look, it skeeves us out. We don't like the singlet. We don't like the sexualization. Sure, no problem. What do you guys want? Okay, well, how about some fight shorts? That seems like it's a really popular idea. Sure, no problem. Because at the, at the root of it, 
only thing we're attaching ourselves when we think about singlets, the only thing we're thinking about is the nostalgia, the personal connection that we have with it. But when we're talking about the growth of a sport, we're not going to lose fans by losing the singlet. We're only going to gain fans by adding in uh, an outfit type that is... I, I disagree with you because I think you alienate your current fans that you have. They're not, they're not going to turn away from wrestling because we're wearing more clothes. I, th- I, I think so. I, Why I mean, would they? Do you know how badass you look in a full-length rash guard? Everybody looks bad. Everybody looks good in a full-length rash guard, or a sh- I, even a short sleeve one. And you can get more throws. Always coming untucked. Uh, All that stuff can be fixed. I mean, that's not, you know. We, and we put, it's just basically a one-piece singlet. We, well, we put a man on the moon. We can we can figure this out. You know. No, I know, but it's just to me they're they're they're, they're putting their things that they're, they're putting all their time and worries and, and the trivial things where um, you know there's a lot more there's a lot deeper issues and I I don't even want to bring some of them up but no there are you're exactly right this might seem like it's trivial but if we're talking about accessing a fan base creating more fans and making it fan friendly which are all things that the IOC is totally into when you talk about you know the glamour Olympics as they are now. We need to do this. I mean, there's a reason that jiu-jitsu has exploded in popularity. Partially, it's because of the you know the values of the sport and sort of you know the, partially the, because it's easy and it's easier. I know that's the values of the sport, but it's I'm also go a retired wrestler and I could take on any jiu-jitsu guy any day of the week. Yeah, for a bit you could, I'm sure. But that's the thing. It's like, and it should you should access the uh, you should go back in time and look at the uh, the match between Marcelo Garcia and Otto Olsen. He didn't do so well. But he – you know, that's that's the thing. It's like, look, they are getting by because they're they're improving. Their no-gi and their gi are both improving because they're able to – they're able to change – they're able to adapt to what their people want. People want a no-gi, so they started allowing more no-gi tournaments, you know. And, and for us, like, there's no, there's no harm in wearing fight shorts. There's no harm in wearing a top. I mean, look – People wear less. People wear more all around the world. Yeah, but, but if, if you're talking international wrestling at the highest level, Sargus grabs singlets. Do you think he's not going to grab anything else? <laughs> I mean, I, I just think it looks sloppy. It's not professional looking, and it, it's amateur looking. Yeah, but, I think I think the way we, we present the singlet hasn't been utilized enough. What do you mean? Well, just wait till you watch the Beat the Streets match, man. You know I work for a wrestling company. <laughs> what do you mean? Like the, the, there's not cool enough designs? Yeah, I don't think people utilize utilize design. Utilize okay, fabric. Andy. But if there's if you have a, if you have the coolest design in the world, if I, me Tim Foley, I can't be like, hey, I'm gonna wear that singlet tomorrow when I go work out at the gym. But if you got a pair of fight shorts and a top that's decorated or designed in a cool manner, now I can say I want that. I'm gonna buy that. You know, and now I'm pushing money not just back into your company, but into USA Wrestling, who has the branding rights for it, you know, or whatever. You know, so there's there's this whole growth aspect that goes into it as well. Like, you know, golf makes money because golf sells golf clubs and golf balls and golf whatever the hell it is. Wrestling can't sell a single thing. We don't have anything to market to our fans. Nothing. Even Even swimming has stuff. But we don't do anything. We well, can't. What does swimming have? But that's that's not based on the uniform. That's just based on people not being. That's just based on people being lazy. People not selling stuff. <laughs> no, but I mean, we're not going to sell. I mean, we can 
we're not going to first of all even if you sell a singlet to somebody they can they can't really ever use it i mean like if you sold a usa wrestling singlet to somebody it's not like they can use they might be able to use it like in an open tournament once or twice but if you sell them like a say it's a rash garden shorts thing now they can wear their shorts and they can wear their rash guard and practice they can wear it lifting weights people are like oh it's sweet i want to buy one of those too Wear singlet in practice. Have you ever been to a foreign wrestling room? I know you have. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we should wear. <laughs> what I'm saying is that Americans are puritanical, and in our own way, like we're, you know, for whatever reason, we're anti-singlets outside of the wrestling community, and even inside the wrestling community, it's hard to get high school kids to get inside the singlets. It's been reasons that people have quit. I'm just saying this is something easy. That we can change, as opposed to the I rules. Don't think, I don't think there's a. I just don't think there's a value. There's a big enough value in it to invest in changing the uniforms to anything else. When we could be spending our time on actually marketing the sport, making a making a sport into you know getting it up to times through social media, through through networks, through stories. You know, I mean, you got to sell these athletes. We have the best athletes in the world, and we don't even know about them. Okay, but if you if you make one rule change, okay, you make one rule change. It's like an insignificant. Most rule changes are basically insignificant. If you even did like no more head blocking and freestyle, like that might improve scoring. That might have good output, but most fans aren't going to notice that you did that. Every single. Do you want to hear my one rule suggestion well, that I, I beat like a drum? Go. That I think would actually help the sport. Go ahead. Not the uniforms. Not how you score things. I, well, for freestyle, I think by adding a parterre clock that gives the wrestlers a specific amount of time, you're changing the whole dynamic of the match by adding an extra clock. Um, if you had, say, say, if you do two three-minute periods, you know, you could do 15 or 20 seconds. But as of now, you get a takedown, and the fans that are, are, that are there that watch freestyle are like, okay, well, this guy just got a takedown. Is he going to get 15? Yeah. Like a shot clock in basketball. Five seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shot clock in basketball, but it goes down. But think of every time, and, and my suggestion was if you get a push out, you have your choice. So back in the 90s, you had officials who were able to call you for passivity or no passivity, but that's a judgment call. And supposedly we're trying to get rid of judgment calls, um, you know, to take the bias of officials out of it. Uh, but to me, you take a guy out of bounds, which is a technical skill, because I'm a 33-year-old man, and if people are listening to this and they think that taking somebody down out of bounds or taking taking somebody out of bounds is not a skill, then you haven't wrestled freestyle because I'm 33 years old, and I'm not going to let you take me down out of bounds because I know I lose a point. Uh, well, it's so, also the basis for a good portion of the world's traditional wrestling styles. I mean, not a good portion, but some of the most popular, including sumo. So, I mean, that's the whole basis for a lot of the world's uh, – I mean, being able to control – to be able to control a geographic area – is a skill. So, yeah. And, and I think that's a huge skill. So, I love the push out rule. But if you push somebody out of bounds, give them the option to, to choose part there. We're missing 50% of the wrestling that we used to have in the 90s. Um, I was really good at gut wrenches. You know, I mean, could I, could I have benefited from having 15 seconds every time I got on top of somebody? Absolutely. I mean, I could have opened matches wide up because I could have turned people. But under the current rules, we have, you know, the, the official. You don't know what's going through his head. You know, like, fans are cheering. Time's going down. It's a close match. He's being critiqued from the, the field board in front of him about his officiating skills. And, you know, we have all this stuff. And 
take that element out of it and be like, look, as soon as the point's awarded, the 15-second parterre clock starts counting down, and, and you know what they told me? Andy, what? what if somebody gets a takedown in the last 12 seconds to ice the match and win? What happens in basketball when somebody gets a rebound and there's 25 seconds on the clock and there's 12 seconds left on the game? Yeah. Follow-up. I mean, there's going to be parts of the matches where there's not going to be action, but imagine if this part terror clock is used four times a match and I have a gut wrench locked up and there's 10 seconds left. Fans are like, to me, the simplest thing in wrestling is, is a turn, whether you turn or not. Like, I could shoot a double leg and we could get in a scramble and you could be like, well... Did the defensive wrestler stop the action and take him over the head to expose him for three? And then did Andy, after he shot the double and get exposed, did he expose the other guy's back? Well, to me, when you're on top and you have a gut wrench or a leg lace and you turn somebody, there's nothing more black and white than that than a clean takedown. And so there's not going to be scoring controversies. The clock's the clock should be involved with the other clock in, in the, the video reviews. And it just adds another I think also if you had somebody on the bottom with 12 seconds to go and they needed to get out uh, or, or find a way to score, that they're going to do something creative and fun. I think that would be – that's like that draws in the audience because, you know, there's – seconds are, are counting down and they need to score. But, that, that but, I, good but I've mentioned this a lot and then, then, then the, the people in power are like, well, I don't think we can do that. Well, I don't think we can do that. Well, what if this happens? Well – you know what? Just try it. It's a different aspect. Um, you know, what do you think they, what do you, what did people say when they started writing time in college? Like, well, that's not good. I mean, to, to me, putting a part of terror clock that gives every single person the exact same time on top. One, it makes it more fair Two, it adds excitement as the time starts clicking down. Um, you know, and, and there's so many different things that it could add to a wrestling match. And, and that's so simple. And yet the people in power, on the field board and the people in power at USA wrestling that are, uh, helping with the rules going forward. They were like, ah, it's all right. But I mean, you know, it's not like I, I would expect them to take everything I said and, and use it. But I mean, to me, that seems like a simple change that you can make to, to make a match that much more exciting. And, and they're against it. But, I'm, I'm sold. You got me. You got me on that. I mean, I love it. I'm, I'm sold. Honestly, I'm sold. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, that's a good argument, and it, it literally, it, it eliminates one of the problems, and it creates fan excitement. It's easy to understand. People understand shot clocks. They understand how everything goes. Now, obviously, there'd be complications, just like there is with everything else. Like, um, But, you know, that's a simple change that would make a big impact. My point earlier was just that there's a lot of the rule changes among the 700 and among the 25 recommendations that they just made are hard for people to see. I just think that I think that FILA, I'm sorry, I, I think that the IOC, if you came to them and were like, we changed our outfits, they wouldn't, they wouldn't think that was trivial. They wouldn't think that was trivial at all. I think that they would understand that to be a massive marketing change, and that's what they're interested in. They're not interested in the sporting side of it. They're interested in the marketing side, and they're interested in the equal rights side. And so the other thing we need to do is find a way – But But that's – you, you see, you're you're making this assumption on the fact that you actually think that FILA has been doing work with the IOC to help get people in the stands and to help promote the sport of wrestling. So you're you're taking it in an ideal world that wrestling was already doing the best job that it can do. How do we make it better? We could take the single and we could make it better. 
What I'm saying is we could actually do work to work with the IOC and to help build the Olympic movement instead of uh, certain things that we have done in the past as a group and as FILA. Um, to, you know, I mean, the IOC, when the IOC says they want change, does the IOC really say do they, they want change to the sport of wrestling? Or did they mean they want change, meaning they want to change the leadership of FILA? They want to change the way FILA operated? They want to change and, and, and how FILA worked with the IOC? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I wasn't in on all those discussions, but I know that, you know, at least we're – look, it can't hurt to do sort of all of these things. I know that we're on a short time frame, but I think the problem is right now that there's seven people in a room deciding all this stuff, and it doesn't seem like it's – you know, I, I don't know too many of the creative minds in wrestling. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I know the creative minds in wrestling and like to think of myself as one of them, like to think of you as one of them. And I don't see that there's been a lot of access to those people. I think it's just at this point it's become like a, you know, handed over to a couple of PR firms who may or may not understand the sport or where it can develop. Well, I mean, I, I had a conversation the other night with with somebody high up, and he said, "Andy, you have to look at this from an international perspective." I had to remind this person that I lived in Russia for <laughs> about tw- twelve months of my life, you know, seven months in a row at one point. Um, you know, I, I like to think that I've been overseas on the freestyle scene more than anybody has since 2002. I, I don't think one person has spent more time overseas. Well, what was their point the, talking about the international scene? What was their overall point to saying that? Oh, just how things work <laughs> with Fila and everything else and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, you know, it's just people, you know, saying stuff when they could actually be doing, taking action and, and doing things. Yeah. Instead of, instead of keep trying to say, that this is how it works. Um, when your back's against the wall and you're fighting for your life, uh, there's there's ways things work, and, and there's time to just do things and, and, and get the job done. Yeah. Uh, and that was the conversation we were having. Oh, God, it's depressing. It's, it's real depressing. You know, like, to be honest, Tim, 50% of the days I wake up and I'm like, man, this sport's going to change. It's going to be great. You know, we're going to be better off for it. And then 50% of the days I wake up and I say, you know what, it's I got to find out what I'm going to do with my life. Because uh, right now I, I, I pretty much invented my own position so I could be involved in freestyle wrestling. Um, you know, I moved to Ann Arbor and, and somehow I made it work. But, uh, you know, if this isn't going to be around, you know, I got to start looking at other options. You know, what am I going to do with my life? Um you know, and I'm, I'm invested in this heavily, you know, and it, it's what I've chose to do. And, um, you know, so when, when, when people think I'm a punk kid, uh, you know, speaking my mind, this is my job. This is my life that we're talking about. And, um, you know, I just want what's best for the sport. And I don't I don't see that coming out. I don't I don't see uh, the leaders in our sport stepping up and actually uh, doing what's right for the growth of the sport. And, and uh you know, there, there were certain things that could have taken place 63 days ago to make sure that this U.S. Open was a success. And I don't, you know, I'm going there, you know, in a couple hours, and I just don't see it. Yeah. Well, I mean, keep fighting the good fight, brother. I mean, like, you know, we'll keep uh, we'll keep it up. And, you know, I think, I think whatever things you got brewing, man, just keep going at them. And, you know, I know we discussed doing an article, put everything in writing. I think that's also a good idea. People start sharing these ideas, maybe there'll be some more popular pressure to have our leaders make some changes that are both substantial and have an impact. 
Yeah, I mean, I know. Uh, I mean, I know there's a lot of fans out there, and I know you have a big following. And you know, after you know being at the NCAs, you know, I was kind of away for uh, two years when I lived overseas, and I lived in Colorado Springs. It's kind of a little alienated from the collegiate scene, but not working with Cliff Keen and and uh, you know just attending some of these events. I mean. You know, you see it because, you know, people come up to you and they, they thank you for what you're doing for the sport. And, um, you know, and, and, and that's why I do it. And I know that's why you do it. You just love the sport. And, um, you know, I, I think we're going to be better off for it. But um, I think we need – I mean, it's going to take a lot of people thinking, you know, the same thoughts and, and dreaming big instead of holding ourselves back as a sport. Yeah. A lot of people just hanging on, just hanging on to whatever kind of the last vestiges of power that they have. And yeah, and should... I know you can relate it to everything that's happened at Boston, but uh, I mean, it's just it's what what's it, how our sport's been, you know. Yeah, just a lot of people who just have that little bit of money coming in and that just feel comfortable and they don't want to let go, and it's just not it's just not the way it should be. But all right, brother. Well, hey, man, let's uh, let's connect after the open. Hopefully, hopefully your uh, two wrestlers do well, and. Uh, yeah. Sounds good. All right, man. Have a good one. Okay? Right, thanks. Brian Muir, you can't take a week off of our podcast, can you there, big guy? Timothy. Still have yet to see you. I, I'm assuming you have a tan and that you're a good-looking fellow right now, but I haven't seen you even though you live three blocks from me. I've got a tan. Um, I've got long hair. Well, I had longer hair but got it cut before uh, Seidel's wedding. So that was tough, but still pretty long. Now, Bob said out one of our former teammates. Um, how was his wedding? Wedding was actually great. It's a great wedding. Now, I know what you're going to say next, and I want you to express exactly how frustrated you are by this. Maybe. About your best man duties? Yeah. Yeah, so the best man duties. So I, I, take a, I fly out to New Jersey from Chicago, two-hour flight. I'm the best man, so I'm thinking i got to talk. So I take two hours on a flight, put a speech together, another two-hour drive down, you know, kind of clean it up a little bit, get to the rehearsal, and he's like, nobody's talking tomorrow. <laughs> so three hours, four hours of my life just wasted. Wasted yeah. away. Not even uh, just wasted, but wasting having to think about the good qualities of Bob Seidel and balancing those against your own instincts to be humorous. That's the best part of it. I wasn't even going to – I was just going to kill him. I was just going to go after him. You were? No, nah, I mean, I, there was some redeeming stuff at the end, but I was going to take him out. Sure. <laughs> so basically, he made the best decision possible. <laughs> he made a good decision. So it came down. It was That part of it was a little strange because I've never been to a wedding where no one talks. Yeah. Um, father of the bride didn't talk. Neither set of parents talked. Um, and I guess it was the maid of honor really didn't want to get up there, so... That was that. Really? Yeah. And then, so then, you know, we're drinking all day, getting ready. I'm sure you can tell from a side-out wedding, there's a lot of boozing from start to finish. Yeah. So pretty boozed up. And then, like, two seconds before we're called out, they're like, do you want to talk? What? Yeah. I'm like, "Ah, you know what? I don't think so. Not at this point. Oh, no. The old bait and switch. The old bait and switch. So, but besides that, it was a good wedding. I mean, weddings are weddings. You know, they're all they're all pretty much cookie cutter weddings at this point. But it's good to see uh, a lot of the UVA wrestling alum were back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good crew there. 
Who who all would I have missed? You want me to go through it? Yep. Um, from best to worst. <laughs> <laughs> from uh, from oldest to youngest, Cartney Hernick. Okay. Andrew DiMartino. Okay. Oh no, I'm sorry, Don Carlo Klaus. Okay. Andrew DiMartino. Uh, Man from Borneo, Paul Bierlo. Oh wow. Slidell. Joey, bag of donuts, your boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. He missed you a lot, too. He made sure I settle up. Nice. So. That's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, it was a good crew. Good wedding. It's all about the bride anyway, right? She had a good time. It's all about the party. It's not about the bride. It's about the bride and the party. It's about the party. It was a good party. It was a good party. I, You know, that's one thing I knew that Sidell would create. A great party. Great party. Yeah, I'm sad that I missed it. Sad that I missed it. Yeah, like, would have liked to have you there. I'm sure there'll be another another opportunity for you. Yeah, there's plenty of weddings coming up. I, I figure someone someone will get married or have a kid soon. We'll I think to... I'm actually I might be done until I don't think I have another wedding this summer. Are you kidding me? I think I'm done. Uh, I got May 4th, July 7th, August 17th, and September something something. I got the September one. For Lester? Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's my next one. Wow, got off easy this year. Old man, you don't have any young friends getting married. I broke the record last year. (laughs) I checked it. I checked it on Guinness, and I broke it. So I'm going to call in, and uh, I'm going to make sure they know that. But yeah, I think I did eight or nine last year. Oh, awful. Just yeah. like the amount of money you have to spend. I just mean, think about how much money that is. Add that up in your head, and, and it's just—it's truly awful. It's truly awful. It's truly I mean, awful. like I look at my budget, like for the last like several months, I do a budget. Yep, I do, and I look at where I spend my money, and it's not always like in the wisest of places. But living in Chicago in the winter is actually a decent way to pay off credit card bills, and you know, maybe yeah, save, right. stock away a little bit, sock away a little bit of money. But I started looking back at those numbers. I'm like, if I had to not, if I had to go on these trips, like a four hundred dollar flight, and then a three hundred dollar hotel room, and then a two hundred dollar present, and then food, it's like, oh my god, like I can't afford to go to this many weddings. And that's not the reason I didn't go to Bob's. I thought I was going to be in India today or in two days, so I didn't know if I was going to be there. But um, so I, I couldn't risk it. But um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's it's bullshit. <laughs> Big expense. And that's not even including bachelor parties. Uh, Flight bachelor party, money spent bachelor party. I mean, it's just getting to be goddamn ridiculous. Basically. It's goddamn ridiculous. Oh. So, but yeah, I'm free. I don't have another one for a couple months. So okay. I'm happy about that. That's good. I like hearing that, Brian. It's good um, to see it. So, you know, we don't really – I just talked to Rovat on this podcast, so – we don't really need to cover too much stuff because we're just – we didn't cover too much of the, anything. Dustin McCauley, though, to Nebraska could be very interesting for the Dustin National. Dustin McCauley to Nebraska, that's huge. I think he's I think he's awesome right out of the gates. He, yeah, he pinned Hunter Sieber last year. Yeah. I think he's – I think he is. I think he's a, a top six guy. I think he's just that talented. But now look at, look, look at Nebraska's lineup. There are some super teams next year, like – Five or six just incredible teams. Look at, I mean, Oklahoma, look who they got coming back. Oklahoma's yeah. ridiculous. Andrew Howe, Travis Rutt, Maple coming back. You know, those are three 
studs right there. Nebraska. Those are, three, those are three national finalist candidates. Two national champions and a Travis Rutt's a three-time All-American. I'm assuming he can make his way into the finals. Yeah, so was Rutt – I thought I always thought Rutt was a 74-pounder. Uh, 84. Maybe he's 84. But he's uh, – so it sounds like Howe is coming back at 74, and then Rutt, I guess, will go 84. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those three guys are – they're three, you know, strong candidates to win. NCAA. And then you have Green at 57, McCulley at 41 – or 49, Suflon yeah. – 49, Suflon at 41 – well, Suflon was 49 this year. Can he suck down? Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan, or, or I think it's uh, Suflon up to 57, Green up to 65. Yeah, I could see that. I could see Green bumping up. But, yeah, that's a tough lineup. I mean, McCauley's got, like you said, a win over Hunter Stieber. That, that was freestyle, and I think he's probably a better freestyler, but he's going to be – he's going to – be right there. I mean, with Oliver clearing out of 49, he's a he's a candidate to win it next year. So, uh, what else we got? This weekend, Las Vegas, if I didn't go to Bob Seidel's batch party in Las Vegas, I would be going to the U.S. Open in Las Vegas this weekend. Okay. So, you want to talk about the U.S. Open, or do you just want to? Yeah, go ahead. We can talk about the U.S. Open. I mean, there's again, like, there's only so much that I can really talk about. I, don't... I think it's interesting. Uh, some of the guys, some of the college guys, will have some interesting matchups. You can see. Why don't we do this? From from, there's like five or six college studs entering the U.S. Open this weekend. From least to most likely to win it, let's start with. Let's see here. 125, or I'm sorry, 121, you don't really have a whole lot of guys. Zach Sanders last year, he's got a chance to do some do some things at 121. Yeah. And I'm just going to go through the weight. So Logan Stever, I think, has got the best shot of any of the current college guys, and I'm including graduating seniors in that. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a good shot to win it. He's going to have – somehow he looks like early pre-seeds, he's got, he got seeded over – his teammate, Reese Humphrey. Not sure how that happens because Reese Humphrey's a world team member, returning world team member. Right. Uh, Colin Scott's one seed, but Steber is the guy that looks like he's done. Out of the college guys, he's done the most work in freestyle. He was wrestling in the U.S. Open when he was still in high school, and I believe he's a junior world silver medalist, lost to Asgarov. Mm hmm. And he got a takedown. He got the first takedown in that match. Against Asgarov? Yeah, which is better than any of the guys at the Olympics did against him. So he lost a close one to Coleman Scott last year at the uh, trials, but he's gonna have to. He's got a tough road. He's gonna have to get through Humphrey and then Scott. But I could see him. I mean, he's good enough at this point that he could pull those those wins off. Right. Um. One forty five point five, or we can speak in kilos if you want. <laughs> Let's speak in kilos. <laughs> uh, Sixty six kilos. You got. Jordan Oliver. Looks like he's going to be the four seed, and it looks like he's going to wrestle Chamberlain again, first match. So both of those guys, Chamberlain actually has wins over Oliver in freestyle. In freestyle, yeah. Yeah, it was when Oliver was, you know, still weighing, still kind of bumping up. I, I don't think he's going to beat him now, but uh, he could. He's, he's a tough freestyler. He's, he's got some experience, too, on that, that high-level uh, 
that high international level. So he was in uh, the trials last year. I think he beat uh, Kerry Collat, okay. interestingly enough. So Oliver, I'm going to take him to win that match. Then he's got a rematch against Metcalf. And he gave Metcalf all he could handle last year. I think I think he's at the weight now. I think it's <laughs> I think he's the favorite. I think so too. I think he's a he's obviously not obviously, but I'd say he's the most talented guy there. He's so talented, man. Just in general. So good. So fast. He's got a he's got a good freestyle. He's kind of like Burroughs. He's got that very fast, tough on his feet. The way the freestyle rules are now, he's he's going to be tough to beat. So, here's something weird and this is maybe telling of where I get my information, but until he spoke at the national fi- after the national finals inside the arena, I had mm-hmm. never heard Jordan Oliver speak. And when he opened it, I guess I wasn't the only person because when I, he opened his mouth and like was very eloquent, and I I don't want to say well spoken because it's that former that's that like that basically that same racial stereotype. Yeah, but dude was well spoken. There would be like four or five journalists who names I won't mention were like I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. They kind of were expecting like some, you know, tirade or something like less yeah. formal. But he arguably was the most like um, sort of self-aware and well-spoken of any of the national champions afterwards. And I was just like, what the hell? Yeah, there was a, I saw an interview with him and Dake right after the tournament. And they were talking about uh, everything with the Olympic decision. And they, he was hanging with Dake. I mean, they were both right there. They sounded... They both sounded um, like they knew what they were talking about, not tripping over the words or anything. So, yeah, I, I've heard him talk to you. He's pretty impressive. He's got that East Pennsylvania twang to him, kind of yeah. like the Philly accent. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know, like y'all going home type thing. Right. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely a smart dude. Uh, also in the weight, Kellen Russell at 66. Bumped yeah. up. Last year, somehow he made 132 or 60. And he's, he's bumped up this year at 145.5, so that'll be uh, that'll be interesting if those two hook up. Be a good match. Um, I think Russell has the beard, too. Does he? That's points right there. Yeah. Russell's, Russell's good in freestyle. Jordan Oliver's got some, uh, he's got some experience in freestyle. He was on the junior world team. I believe he finished third at the junior world's. So, yeah, that'd be an interesting matchup. That's what's great about this tournament is you see guys, you know, across generations and across years that never got to wrestle in college but could hook up here. I mean, freestyles, it's not, you know, it's not quite the same, but still good matchups, still stuff you want to see. I think it's, I mean, I think there is a changing of the guard that always is taking place. There's always fresh blood coming in, talent, and this is just another example of that. You know, the Zadiks are gone. Yeah, the Zadiks are gone. The Paulsons are gone. Are they? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't see their name anywhere. Okay. A um, couple guys, you know, like Dustin Schlatter is not there anymore. So there's there's definitely some room for these young guys to, to move right in. Yeah. And I think they're talented enough to do it. Uh, it looked like Metcalf was going to be the guy at 66 for the last couple of years. But I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you. I think, I think Jordan Oliver is the guy. Oliver's just more dynamic, and again, like now that he is only focusing on freestyle, he might not make, he might not win the U.S. Open, but he's got the World Team Trials coming up. That dude, 
when he wants to open up and wrestle, can open up and wrestle. And he's got John Smith, by the way, just barking in his ear. Yeah, he's going to – and he added – he added some uh, things to his game this last season. Like, he's got a blast double now that I don't know if he really had before. Is this like when they asked Token to go into the basement and get his bass guitar? <laughs> Gotta have a blast double. You gotta have a blast double. Gotta have it. No, seriously, you have it. Just try it. No, I really don't. I can't do it. Uh, just try. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Burroughs took him aside. In the <laughs> it was like, Ch- please check this out. Yeah. This is all. This is all you gotta do. Like you're fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Get both those legs, and that's it. And really, I mean, with these rules, you only have to get a push out. You don't have to finish it. No, you're exactly right. You know. Yeah, I think I think that the, the the blast double for Oliver is sort of like finding the wormhole, the tear in the universe. Like, oh, I can do this, huh? Okay, sweet. Now let's go. Couple right. blast doubles, couple ankle picks, and he's winning a world title. So what's next? Uh, next is seventy four kilos. Unfortunately, Kyle Dake is not wrestling. Yeah, he banged up his knee at uh, NCAA's. Yeah. I saw that in the Twitterverse. I saw that tweet. Um, so he's banged up. David Taylor comes in at the three seed. And I don't know. He's got Marable in the semi. I'm sure there'll be some other guys on the way there. But uh, I think Marable's a tough matchup for him in freestyle. I agree. I just don't know if, if Taylor's got the right style for these rules. You know, he can get a takedown here and there, sure. But yeah. He's all over the place. He might give up some extra points that he. Doesn't yeah, he's just kind of you know he takes some not so great shots at times that he that he can kind of funk his way and finish in scholastic that he could get himself in trouble in freestyle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and plus with the push out, I just I don't know. I don't think he's. All right. So out. even if he gets past Marable, he's still going to get. Well, yeah. So everyone's hoping that he does get past Marable, and he gets Jordan Burroughs, which would be at least fun to watch. Right. Fun of course. So, I don't think he's got anywhere near what it's going to take to beat Burroughs at this point, but we want to see it, so we're all hoping that. So, next week, first match, uh, 84 kilos, you got Askren, Max Askren, versus Ed Ruth, Ed the Truth Ruth. Okay. Who are you taking? I'll take Ed Ruth. Yeah, that's what I'm taking. I think Edwards can win the whole thing. It's kind of a stacked weight. You got Gavin, Phil Ketty, who beat Ruth Phil last Ketty year. Phil Ketty beat Ruth last year. But I don't think yeah. Ruth had, like, the best game plan. And Ruth was, like, half there and I think half just not, like, playing video games in his head. <laughs> he, didn't seem, uh, he didn't seem too into it, that's for sure. But I think he can beat Askren. The weight is stacked, though. I think you've got one, two, three... You got five national champs in the weight. What six, did you do? <laughs> six, six national champs in the weight. So that could be the best weight. Probably is the best weight. Yeah, it is. Absolutely stacked. Mike I mean, Chillo coming back. Mike Pasillo, Austin Trotman is no joke. Austin Trotman is no joke. Clayton Foster somehow is making 185. That's weird, yeah. Cam Samaz is down there. Also very talented human being. Talented human being. So... I don't know. I kind of see Ed Ruth coming out somehow, making it out of there, which would be pretty interesting. No Herbert there. I mean, Ruth might be the guy. So we'll see. He's got to get through a, a just landmine of a weight to do it. Um, 
Upper weights. Don't see any younger guys in the upper weights. You got Kilgore. Kilgore's in it at 211. 96, if you will. Um, yeah. So he can make some noise there, come back strong after that NCAA tournament. Don't see Quentin Wright anywhere, which is kind of surprising. He's a baby on the way. Yeah, that'll do it. That will do it. So uh, I'm going to take Pendleton at 211. And up weight, Zach Ray is there. Delagnev, you can't really bet against Delagnev, I don't think. No. So... That's pretty much it. Yeah, I think it'll be fun to watch. I might sign up for. I think I'm gonna sign up for the Flow Technique Wave. Yeah, so they're showing all the matches on Flow. Yeah, I think I think if they can get these type of events in addition to the other stuff, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah, I was waiting. I was waiting to see how much they were gonna actually offer. What do you mean? How much they like? I didn't want to sign up for the Technique Wave just for the. David well, Taylor. that's the thing. I mean, you want to watch. You want to watch the All Star match, but is it really worth it? Just for yeah. the ones, but it's like you know, I don't care about the techniques. I, I can show them those techniques, but uh, just kidding. Um, but I am interested in the. Uh, if they can keep showing, I mean, I, it's even worth it. You know, just for this event, you can get away with a twenty buck thing, but you know, seven ninety nine a month or whatever. And if you can keep getting access to tournaments like this, this I mean, I'm sure they'll do world team trials too. And, uh, you know, yeah. that's cool. That's, I'm, that's worth it. Props to flow. It's worth it. If you're a high school coach or, you know, a high school wrestler fan, it's worth it. Because they do all those high school matches too. And now, yeah, you're right. If they add this in. Yeah, but I'm sure for me, like, I don't watch a lot of high school wrestling. Mm-hmm. I just have my – just it's not part of what I can do. But, you know, I – the, 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 this kind of stuff is is, is something I'd, I'd like to see. And then if they can add other programming, which I'm sure they will. So, yeah. They got the scuffle last year. Um, did they do – they did something else, too, something big. So, yeah, it's, it's worth it, I think. Definitely worth it. Uh, but that's it. That's all I got for U.S. Open. That's all you got, huh? So when are we going to see each other, Brian? Uh, I'm around. I'm here now. I'm stationed in Chicago. Yeah, for, uh, foreseeable future. Are you taking off at all? No, not not anything official. I mean, I'll let you know if anything changes. I might go away this week. I might leave no, in a couple. <laughs> I might, that's not true. I might fly out on Thursday night and go okay. see my family. But besides that, no. All right. Well, keep me updated. All right. All right, man. Well, I tell you what, Brian. Let's just call it a day. Let's just do what we can. Call it a day. Yeah, let's call it a day. We'll get back at it next week. Of course. And you enjoy your uh, your tan and your quasi long hair. Well, I do want to see before I uh, before I lose the tan. Take a couple pics next to you. <laughs> <laughs> post post them on Facebook. Uh, um, new profile pic. So <laughs> let's make sure we get that going. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Bye. bye.